This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michael Weissman. I am an attorney in Chicago. My affiliation with the Risk Management Association is as follows. I am an instructor in the Commercial Loan Documentation course. I write a monthly column in the RMA Journal, which is called The Legal Corner. In addition, I serve as a member of the editorial board of the RMA Journal. In case you're interested, my email address is mweissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N, at L-G Attorneys, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S, dot com. The title of today's podcast is 25 Points to Remember When Foreclosing on UCC-Type Collateral. The assumption throughout this presentation will be that we have a secured party with a first priority security interest in non-consumer UCC-type collateral. The format of the podcast is Q&A, questions and answers. I will be propounding a question and then providing an answer. So let's proceed. Lenders contemplating foreclosure and sale of collateral covered by the Uniform Commercial Code, abbreviated later in this podcast as UCC, should be guided by the following general principles. First, before beginning foreclosure, make certain that a default has occurred and that all necessary notices have been given to the correct parties. Second, taking all steps necessary to maximize the proceeds from the liquidation of the collateral. And thirdly, to avoid doing anything that would release the borrower or any guarantor from liability for a deficiency. With those general principles in mind, let's proceed to a series of questions, all of which is designed to help you come to a successful conclusion of the foreclosure and sale of UCC-type collateral. Number one. Where do you find your enforcement rights? A secured party's enforcement rights 
are contained in the security agreement or loan agreement between the secured party and the debtor. They are supplemented by rights granted other, under other state laws. Two, when do enforcement rights arise? They arise under the Uniform Commercial Code just as soon as a debtor falls into default. Three, what determines when a debtor is in default? The terms of the security agreement, not the UCC, determine whether a default has occurred. The UCC does not contain anywhere within it, insofar as collateral liquidation is concerned, a definition of a default. It is purely in the loan documentation. Number four, what obligations and duties are imposed on a secured party upon the debtor's default? First, the secured party must proceed in a commercially reasonable manner in the collection and enforcement of collateral. Second, the secured party must not breach the peace when taking possession of collateral through self-help. Third, the secured party must dispose of the collateral in a commercially reasonable manner after giving proper notice. Fourth, the secured party must account for, apply, or pay over any surplus proceeds from the liquidation of the collateral to any junior secured party or the debtor. Finally, number five, the secured party is liable for failure to comply with the provisions of the Uniform Commercial Code. Five, what rights is a debtor not allowed to waive prior to default? First, the debtor cannot waive notice of the disposition of the collateral prior to default. Second, the debtor cannot waive the right to redeem collateral prior to default. Number six, can a secured party take possession of the collateral after a default? Unless the parties have an agreement to the contrary, after a default, the secured party has the right to take possession of the collateral. The secured party's possession may be pursuant to judicial process or without judicial process, so long as it proceeds without a breach of the peace. The UCC does not explain what constitutes a breach of the peace. 
breach of the peace has been defined by the courts as, quote, conduct that invites or is likely to invite immediate public turbulence or that leads to or is likely to lead to an immediate loss of public order and tranquility. Repossession of an automobile owned by the debtor while the debtor yells, don't take it, has been ruled not to be a breach of the peace so long as there was no evidence that the debtor threatened violence by holding a weapon, clenching his fists, or arguing toe-to-toe with a repossessor. When there is a default, the secured party should move quickly in cooperation with the debtor, if possible, to seize control and get possession of the collateral. Prompt control of the collateral by the secured party can prevent problems that might arise from the attempted seizure of the collateral by the Revenue Service of the United States, our friends, the IRS, who may be seeking to enforce liens for delinquent taxes. Number seven, what can the secured party do to prevent the collateral from, quote, getting legs, end of quote, and disappearing? The secured party has the right, without removing it, to render equipment unusable and dispose of such collateral on the debtor's premises. Locks on warehouses and storage buildings or storage areas can be changed, giving the secured party control over the collateral. The secured party is well advised to provide guard service and other custodial care for collateral that is easily moved. Number eight. Can the secured party notify account debtors to pay the secured party? After default, a secured party may notify account debtors to make payment directly to the secured party. Number nine. Can the secured party require the debtor to assemble the collateral. After a default, the secured party may require the debtor to assemble the collateral and make it available to the secured party at a place that is reasonably convenient to both the secured party and the debtor. This is especially important where the collateral is in several different locations. Number 10. What duties are imposed on the secured party after it obtains possession of the collateral? After the secured party obtains possession of the collateral, first the secured party must use 
reasonable care in preserving the collateral and second, the collateral must be kept identifiable unless it happens to be fungible collateral. Number 11. Who bears the risk of loss and the burden of expenses after the secured party obtains possession of the collateral? The risk of uninsured loss remains on the debtor and reasonable expenses incurred in preserving the collateral are chargeable to the debtor. Number 12. Who may reclaim the collateral after there has been a default? The debtor may, any guarantor may, as is the case with any other secured party or lien holder. Number 13. When can redemption occur? Redemption refers strictly to the debtor. Redemption by the debtor may occur at any time before first, the secured party has collected the collateral such as accounts receivable. Second, the secured party has disposed of the collateral or has entered into a contract for the disposition of the collateral, or the secured party has accepted the collateral in full or partial satisfaction of the indebtedness. This is known as strict foreclosure. Number 14. What must a debtor do to redeem its collateral after default? First, the debtor must satisfy all obligations secured by the collateral. Second, the satisfaction must be the entire balance, not any portion of it. And a new promise to pay will not satisfy this requirement. And finally, the debtor must also pay any reasonable expenses and attorney's fees that has been incurred by the secured party so long as the security agreement stipulates for that. Number 15. Can the secured party retain the collateral in full or partial satisfaction of the unpaid indebtedness? Under the commercial code, with the debtor's consent, a secured party may indeed retain collateral in full or partial satisfaction of the unsatisfied obligations it secures, so long as there is no objection by any third party entitled to notice under the UCC. In order to accept the collateral, the secured party must first send written notice of its proposal to do so to the following persons. First, 
any party from whom the secured party has received a claim of interest in the collateral, two, any other secured party or lien holder that held a security interest in or lien on the collateral, three, any guarantor, and four, any other person holding a subordinate interest in the collateral. Because of this, a search of the records for filed financing statements and other liens is required before the secured party sends notice of intent to accept the collateral. Number 16. If the secured party elects not to retain the collateral but to sell it, must it give notice of its intention to sell? Unless the collateral is of a type which is perishable or threatens to decline speedily in value or is of a type customarily sold on a recognized market, a secured party that intends to dispose of collateral must provide a reasonably authenticated notification of its intended disposition. 17. To whom must the secured party give notice? First to the debtor, second to any guarantor, and thirdly to any other person from whom the secured party has received prior to the notification date an authenticated notice of claim to the collateral or any other party that 10 days before the notification date held a security interest in the collateral that was perfected by the filing of a financing statement or any other secured party that 10 days before the notification date had a security interest in the collateral perfected by compliance with a statute, regulation, or treaty. Sometimes you hear the phrase, the safe harbor. Number 18 addresses that issue. The safe harbor is when the secured party orders a search from the appropriate filing office and at least 10 days before the date of sale, the secured party sends an authenticated notification of the intended disposition to each secured party listed in the search results. Number 19, what must that notice contain? Under the UCC, the notice is sufficient if it first describes the debtor and the secured party, second describes the collateral, third states the method of the intended disposition, fourth states that the debtor is entitled to an accounting and the charge, if any, for providing an accounting. Fifth, states the time and place 
of a public disposition or the time after which a private disposition is to be made. 6. Describes any liability for a deficiency. 7. Provides the telephone number where the debtor can obtain information about the amount required to redeem the collateral. And finally, provides the telephone number or mailing address at which additional information concerning the disposition and the obligation secured is available. The notification must contain all of the information just mentioned or it is insufficient as a matter of law. It is not insufficient if it includes information not required or happens to make some minor errors that are not seriously misleading. Number 20. Can a secured creditor bid at a public sale or a private sale? A secured party may indeed purchase at a public sale. In the case of a private sale, the secured party can only purchase the collateral if the collateral happens to be of a kind that is customarily sold on a recognized market or is the subject of widely distributed price quotations. Number 20 addresses what is a recognized market. A recognized market is one in which the items sold are fungible, meaning every item is like every other, and prices are not subject to individual negotiation. For example, the New York Stock Exchange is a recognized market. A market in which prices are individually negotiated or the terms are not or the items are not fungible cannot be a recognized market even if the items are the subject of widely disseminated price guides or are disposed of through dealer auctions. So, publicly traded securities are the type of collateral customarily sold in a recognized market, whereas motor vehicles are not of the type of collateral sold in a recognized market. They are not fungible items. Number 22. What items determine whether a sale is commercially reasonable? And this is a really important topic. There are a number of elements, five in all, that have to be satisfied. Number one, the fact that a greater amount could have been obtained at a different time or by a different method is not of itself enough to preclude the secured party from establishing that the collection, enforcement, disposition, or acceptance of the collateral was made in a commercially reasonable manner. But a comment to the UCC states that, quote, 
a low price suggests that a court should scrutinize carefully all aspects of a disposition to ensure that each such aspect was indeed commercially reasonable. Number two, timing. The secured party is not required to wait holding the collateral with the expectation that the price of the collateral will go up. If the secured party delays the sale and the price drops significantly, a court may determine that the collateral was not sold in a commercially reasonable manner or time. Number three, preparation of the collateral. The Uniform Commercial Code provides that the collateral may be, quote, sold in its present condition or following any commercially reasonable preparation or processing. The right to dispose of the collateral in its present condition is not unlimited. A secured party may not dispose of collateral in its then condition when the benefits of additional preparation or processing will be exceeded by the amount realized upon the disposition. To put it simply, if it appears that some fix-up of the collateral will yield a greater amount, including the amount expended, it will not be a commercially reasonable sale unless that effort is put forth. Number four, the method of sale. The secured party may sell collateral at either a public or private sale. Number five, other factors that may be relevant. The number of bidders, the type and amount of advertising, the location of the sale, the adequacy of the description of the collateral, the ability of bidders to inspect and test the collateral, and whether the disposition was in conformity with reasonable commercial practices among dealers in that same type of property are all taken into consideration. Adherence to proper procedure is critical. When a secured party has the sale conducted by a professional auctioneer, a reasonable number of bidders is present, and the potential bidders are permitted to examine the collateral prior to the auction, generally speaking, the sale is deemed commercially reasonable. But when the secured party fails to advertise the sale in a way that will attract potential bidders, thereby providing an opportunity for self-dealing, the sale will be carefully scrutinized to see if it is indeed commercially reasonable. Number 23, how are the proceeds of sale applied? The application is as follows. First, 
to the reasonable expenses of retaking, holding, preparing for disposition, processing and disposition of the collateral, second, to the extent provided in the agreement between the debtor and the secured party, reasonable attorney's fees and legal expenses, third, for the satisfaction of principal and accrued and unpaid interest due on the secured obligations, and finally, to any subordinated secured party, if the secured party making the sale has received from the subordinated secured party an authenticated demand for proceeds before the proceeds have been distributed. Number 24. What is the legal effect of the disposition of the collateral? A secured party's disposition of collateral following the debtor's default has the following effects. First, it transfers to the purchaser for value all of the debtor's rights in the collateral. Second, it discharges the security interest of the secured party. And third, it discharges any subordinated or junior security interest or lien in the same collateral. Number 25, what happens if a deficiency occurs and the debtor or guarantor challenges the commercial reasonableness of the disposition? First, in any action in which the surplus or deficiency is an issue, but more particularly the deficiency. The secured party does not have to prove compliance with the UCC unless the debtor resisting the collection of a deficiency places the compliance in issue before the court. Second, but if the secured party's compliance is in place, is in placed in issue, the burden then shifts to the secured party to prove compliance. In a case like that, the value of the collateral that has been sold is assumed to be equal to the amount of the deficiency, thus wiping out the deficiency and the burden shifts to the secured creditor to prove that the value of the collateral that has been sold was less than the amount of the deficiency. This is called the rebuttable presumption rule. And lastly, if the collateral is sold to the secured party, or to a person related to the secured party, the burden of proof falls on the debtor to prove that the amount of the proceeds is significantly below the range of proceeds that would have been received from a complying disposition to an independent third party. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our presentation today.
I trust that all of you um, have gained by uh, sitting with us for this discussion.